Okay, so we'd like to welcome you part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for 3.23.08, teaching on deliverance, protection, and mercy. And we'll just repeat the last verse we said there in Proverbs 19, verse 17, where it says, He, he that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the poor. So that's how God views that. When you have pity on the poor, it's like you're lending unto the Lord. And that which ye hath given, will he pay him again, so God will repay you. Um, Proverbs 21, verse 13 says, Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. So this is a warning. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, and shall not be heard. Just a warning, okay? Um, Proverbs 22, verse 9, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. Okay? These are just a lot of different verses that talk about this. Proverbs 22, verse 16, He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches, and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. Now, let me just apply this to a New Testament application. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches. Okay, that's one thing. If you're oppressing the poor to increase your riches. And he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. What if you're giving all your money to Benny Hinn? Dad Hagen or, or whoever these other guys are. Copeland, they're flying around in their jets. John Advanzini. Jesse Duplantis. All these guys that br brag about their Joyce Myers or their, her million dollar mansion. You're giving to the rich. But it says you shall surely come to want. Well, that's not what my prosperity preacher is telling me. He's telling me if you give to this ministry, I'll, I'll bear a hundredfold seed. Seed, faith promise or whatever. The Bible says the exact opposite. Yeah, but what about all the testimonies on, on um, TBN and on the 700 Club? 700 clubs, I'm sorry, they're total whores. All I see on there, if, if I ever see it, because every time I like to see, watch what the enemy's doing, oh, it's all these wonderful testimonies about how, how this couple was was really in all kind of financial ruin, and they they, uh, they upped their seed face promise, and then the, the windows of heaven opened, because they were sowing into such a worthy ministry, making the rich richer, building their big edifices and their big 501c3 corporate ministries under the government. It's an abomination. He that by usury and unjust gain increase his substance. And I really believe the usury that's being in reference to here is probably putting out your money to your brothers and charging them interest, primarily. Because of the verse in the... I'm not saying put your money in banks, because I'm not. Banks are evil. The, banks are a whole system of unjust scales and balances. But there is that reference in, in the New Testament where Jesus said you should have at least taken the money or, or your talents or whatever and put them in a bank or so it could draw usury. Okay, so I don't want to be totally dogmatic, but I believe this is primarily in reference to loaning out money to your brothers and charging them in. The Bible says... As far as putting out money to your brothers, essentially just give it to them and don't even expect anything in return. That's really the biblical model. Most people, you know, can't imagine that, but that's what the Bible talks about. 
He that by usury and unjust gain increases his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. So in other words, these people that have gathered things by usury and unjust gain, he's actually gathering it to actually give to somebody who will pity the poor. Now, this relates to the Bible verse, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, which is what the big TBN prosperity crowd will always quote. Now again, there is an application, but let's do it within the context of the Bible and then within the context of, new, of particularly New Testament giving, which is what we're going to talk about next. Again, we just need to have balance with these types of subjects, not get too far off in any one direction. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. This is Proverbs 28, 27. He that giveth to the poor shall not lack. That's a pretty cool verse. Especially considering the times that we're going into, which is probably going to be a lot of lack. But he that hideth his eye shall have many a curse. The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. The poor is pretty important to God, sounds like. Now again, I really believe this is primarily to those that be of the household of faith. If you've got some poor person living like the absolute devil on drugs or whatever they're doing into all kind of bad stuff, you just don't arbitrarily take, take all your money over there and give it to somebody that's wicked just because they're poor. Okay, have some discernment in that regard. But I believe if you pray about this, God will show you who you know, to give to. These types of things. God's perfectly capable of doing that. <clears throat> the righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. So this is an earmark of a righteous person. Personally, when it comes to this subject, I found a ministry up in Ohio, High Street Baptist Church, Brother Manus, He's got a ministry to orphans and the poor, and I believe widows, in the Ukraine. And that's where I, that's where I put, when it comes to the poor and the needy, that's where my, he's a non-501c3 entity as well. Because I really believe that these 501c3 entities that are corporate entities that got their right to exist by the government are an abomination to God. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, Thou shalt be incorporated and get under the state and have them mandate to you what to say and what to do and how to preach. And we will keep track of everything that you do. But hey, you go to the state for a benefit, they require a price. So that's where I put mine. Um, High Street Baptist Church, I believe is what it's called. Uh, you're going to have to email me to find out the particulars on it because I don't... I uh, I don't have it right off the top of my head here, but if you want to know more about that, I can. I have put it out in emails before. I've put it out in there, and I believe that's a worthy ministry. It's the only ministry that I know of that's totally the poor and needy. Granted, it's not in this country; it's to the people in the Ukraine, but it's non five hundred one c three. So it's a good, really good ministry, and I know Brother Manus personally, and he's a good man, and uh, man of God. Uh, independent, fundamental Baptist that is over there trying to get as many people saved as possible, feeding the poor and hungry and weak and meek. Because if you're in that position, you're pretty much weak and meek. Because you're not going to be all full of pride, that's for sure. So anyway, 
James 1.27, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. So this is pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. That's this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Pretty simple. Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, or that you give, it shall be measured to you again. Now that may not all occur in this life. Actually, the preferable rewards are the ones that are eternal, even though it's hard for us to think on those terms right now. But right now, you're either laying up storehouses and treasures in heaven, or you're not. Or what you're laying up in heaven is wood, hay, or stubble that's going to be burned up. Or, or at the judgment seat of Christ. Psalm 18, verse 25. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. So, with the merciful people, you show yourself merciful. But as for me, I will walk... Uh, Psalm 26, 11. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. The psalmist asking that to God. Psalm 37, verse 26, He is ever merciful. This is about a righteous man. He's ever merciful and lendeth. And his seed is blessed. He's, he lendeth, but he's not lending out with usury. Okay? He's ever merciful and he lendeth. And what is the outcome of that? His seed is blessed. His children are blessed. Psalm 41.4 I said, Lord, be merciful unto, unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Acknowledging our sin before God is prerequisite for us to get healing, for us to get forgiven. You know? And in as much as possible, forsaking that sin. Only the Lord can do that for you, though. You have to go through the Lord to do that. Psalm 57, verse 1 This is when David fled from Saul in the cave, said, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Great verse to memorize regarding the times we're moving into. Psalm 86, verse 3, Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Here David is, the greatest king that Israel had ever known, and it's saying here, I cry unto thee daily. Basically, as a little child, meek before God, David. That's why David was so great. Because he was a man after God's own heart. What, what is a man after God's own heart? Somebody who's meek, fears God, trembles at his word, cries unto him, is contrite before God, as is a little child before God. That, in God's sight, is the highest, I believe, form of Christianity we could have. In, I mean, actually meaning it. Because what can we really give God that would be pleasing to Him? Are we going to go to Him and convince God what a wonderful person we are? But if you had a child, a daughter, or a son, and they come to you, and let's say they haven't even done anything wrong, and they come before you meek, and in fear of maybe your reprisal, or, or, or of what, you know, it's pretty tough if they come to you in that mode, for you to be mad at them, wouldn't that be pleasing to you? I mean, do you see that humility before you? Wouldn't that make you happy? Not to say that you're, they, you want them to walk around fear and trembling of you, 
But children, particularly of the father, should have a godly reverence and fear of what that father could do. Well, he's our heavenly father. I'm just telling you, if it, if it was you as a parent, wouldn't that? how would that make you feel? Would you want to rain down your wrath on that child as they come before you as a little child, meek and lowly? No. <laughs> That's a way to diffuse the situation. <laughs> and here's another thing you do. I remember when I was in, back in high school, there was this guy named Mr. Redmond. Oh, this guy had a bad temper. I personally couldn't stand him. My graduation, rehearsal graduation, he singled me out in front of everybody in the Catholic chapel. I was going to a Catholic high school at the time. I run like all the gamuts of religion. Lutheran middle school, Catholic high school, hyper-Pentecostalism, independent fundamental King James only Baptist. I've run the gamut with modern day pseudo-Christian religions. Of course, I'm not going to say independent fundamental Baptist or pseudo, but anyway, and he singled me out and... and, uh, really embarrassed me in front of everybody. Oh, I did not like him. I forgive him now, but I did, at the time I was not happy. But I remember there was this one girl, I think, that was in class, and every time she would get in trouble, you know what she did? She submitted it. She's like, yeah, Mr. Redmond, you're right. You know what? That did every time. All the anger drained from that man instantly. Because it's scriptural, if you think about it. If you go before God... And, and you're contrite, and you mean it before God, and God knows your heart, so don't go there and, and, and pretend. But if you go before Him in that mode, and you're really repentant, and you really want to change, God doesn't have to exact the same punishment on you as He would somebody who's not going to even confess that is sin, or somebody that thinks it's not a big deal. That person, he has to God would have to deal with if you're His children. Remember, if you be without chastisement, you're bastards. Okay? Chastisement is like being spanked of God. Bastards is an illegitimate son. So when we're gods, he can spank us. If we're meek and contrite and humble in spirit before God, when we do something wrong, not to say we're not going to have to bear any price for that sin, but, is he going to have to punish you as much as he would the next person who's not even contrite and humble and repentant? If you had two kids in front of you and they were kids, and one, they had done the same exact sin, and one was humble and contrite and repentant before you, and really sorry, and crying out as a little child, and the other one was like, yeah, whatever, I did it. Who are you going to have to punish? Harsher. <laughs> the other one's already admitted it. He's already come clean. I'm telling you, you want to diffuse things with God, I'm not saying there's no consequence for sin, but I'm saying, I'm just being logical here. The Bible says, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as crimson, they will be as wool. Well, I want to get my sins as wool as quick as I can. I don't want them to stay as crimson before God, so He has to rain down punishment on me and put me in the furnace of affliction which I've been in, and it is not fun. It is agony. It is absolute, pure agony if God puts you in the furnace of affliction. It is, I'm telling you, worst thing I've ever been through, ever, 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 ever. Never will forget it, ever. God can do it. And He does it because He loves you. 
I told God when I was in the furnace, it hurt so bad. It was, I was in so much agony and pain that I said, God, and I meant it. And I, He did it. He, he did what I asked. I said, this is so painful that I want you, I want to get this over with as quick as I can. So if you have to turn up the furnace, if you have to make me go through even worse, if you have to double this, double it. Because I don't want to be in this. I want to do whatever it takes. If you have to, whatever it takes, I'll, I'll suffer even more. As long as I can get through this quicker. And he did. He did. Most brutal thing I've ever went through. Did he do it because he hated me? No, he did it because he loved me. But I was reaping what I sowed. I deserved it. I did. You know, you get in that situation, be a man or be a woman, admit it to God, you're going to get punished. Better in this life than in the next. Better in this life than, than to be saved, get so as by fire, or not to be saved at all, to have your name blotted out of the book of life, because you never did overcome. You were just a pretender all the time. I'm dealing with very serious issues here. And not to say I think I'm Mr. Whatever, I've overcome all this. Or I'm above this. We're all one step away, any of us at any given time, of making horrific mistakes before God. And putting ourselves under severe chastisement of God. All of us are only one step away from that at any given time. That's why the Bible says, you know, watch and pray, you know, your adversary, the devil, goes around as a lion, seeking whom he may, whom he may devour. Now, if we go further with this, where did I let, let off here? Um, which one? Okay, so be merciful unto me, O Lord, be merciful for me, for I cry unto thee daily. Proverbs 11.17 says, The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Are you merciful? You're doing good to your own soul. Very important to be merciful. Super important. It's like the Bible talks about where, you know, if you don't forgive your brother, which is sin against you, how are you going to obtain forgiveness from your heavenly father? Do you have unforgiveness in your heart toward other people? If you do, pray God take that away from you. Here's another thing. The reason that you probably have unforgiveness is you have a root of bitterness in you. And the Bible talks about the root of bitterness springeth up and defileth many. Once you have a root of bitterness, you can't forgive. Why? Because you're bitter. Well, I can't help the way I feel. Well, then God, beg God to take it away from you. Because you're only hurting yourself. If you're bitter against something, or someone, are you? Or how are you hurting them? You're bitter. Oof. Who are you hurting? You're only hurting yourself. That is one thing God's given me the ability to do, is forgive. I, I just don't have a problem in that area. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses. That happens to be, particularly in my case, one of my strong points. I thank God. There's other points I have that are very weak. <laughs> and we all have those things we battle. You know, different... And that's why we're the body of Christ. One person's strength can help another person's weakness. And vice versa. Type of thing. So, the merciful man doeth his own soul good, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. Joel 2.13 And rend your heart, and not your garments, 
See, that's what God would rather us do. We can go there and make a show of pretense and rend our garments and throw sackcloth and ashes on us, like maybe, let's say, a publican or a, or a scribe in the Old Testament, or a Sadducee or, Sadducee or something like that. Pharisee and Sadducee would be a better example. But it's all for show. But the Bible says, rend your heart. Rend means to tear. Don't literally cut your chest open and tear your heart. Rend your heart, spiritually. And not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Turn to the Lord for your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. See, when you rend your heart, God can be and show himself to you as gracious and merciful and slow to anger and in great kindness. And he will repent of the evil that maybe he would have intended for you. See, God can change his mind if you repent. If you don't, then he has no choice but to punish you. Or to get you on the right track. I mean, what the prodigal son had to go through was not fun. He had to take them to the bottom of the hog pen before finally guy ever woke up. Well, we're like that. We tend to be like that. God would rather, I believe God would rather, if we would just police our own self. Remember what the Bible says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged of God. I'm telling you, that is super, super important to averting God's judgment on your life. Always be judging yourself. Why? Because if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged of God. You don't want God's chastisement on you constantly? Then judge yourself according to the word of God all the time. I'm just trying to get practical things here. How, how you know, our dealings with the Lord. And how he looks at these things. This is not, this is, we're looking at how God looks at this thing. If we rend our heart and turn unto the Lord... What's the result of that? Well, he's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, and of great kindness. Because he sees you there as a little child. Humble, repentant. How are you going to be mad at a little child if he's like that before you? It's pretty tough. You know? I love humility wherever I see it. Whether, wherever I see it, I mean, true humility, I absolutely adore it. It's just something, I don't know, I think it's the Holy Spirit that lives inside me. When, when it sees humility, or contriteness, or fear of the Lord, it makes the Holy Spirit that lives inside me leap inside. It really does, because it's like, oh, that's so awesome. Because you see so little of it in the day and time we live in. It's one of the reasons I love little children. Because they, for the most part, still have that innocence. You know? And they, they, that's how they are, they're little children. Not all. Some are, you know, brats, I guess you'd say. It's the way that they're being raised. That's a whole other subject. But, blessed, okay, so here we go. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You want to have mercy from God? You better be merciful. How can you get mercy from God if you're not merciful yourself? Cause and effect. Reap what you sow. Luke 6.36 Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father is also, as your Father also is merciful. What's the greatest mercy ever bestowed upon a born-again Christian? Obviously, salvation through Jesus Christ. Through showing us, that's mercy. When we deserved and were appointed unto death, 
And that's what we deserve. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 It's what we deserved. Death and hell. But our Father was merciful to us. All the more reason for us to be merciful unto others. Luke 18.13 And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, what was the publican doing? Well, he was a tax collector. But it says that he smote his breast saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. This pleased God. So this publican asked God to be merciful to him, a sinner. And notice, he was very contrite before the Lord. Luke 12.42 says, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? Steward is somebody that's in charge of overseeing something, of, of like a caretaker. Okay? The Lord said, Who is the faithful and wise steward? Isn't that what we are as born-again Christians on this earth? We're, we're stewards of whatever God's given us. Whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household. To give them their portion of meat in due season. This implies reward. So, who is the faithful and wise steward according to God that he can make ruler over his own household and reward? Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Doing. Whatever God's called you to do, do it. Because that's the one that's blessed. The one that when the Lord comes, he's going to find doing. We're the body of Christ. Remember, everybody's different functions. I'm not going to try to put you in a box and say, well, bless God, you've got to be doing it. Now, granted, there's certain things in scriptures, yes, we're all supposed to be doing. Okay, I've went over this in previous studies, but... Luke, then the next verse says, Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make of him ruler over all that he hath. Who? The one that when the Lord comes, he so finds doing. Well, the Lord could come right now. This just isn't in reference to the second coming of Christ. What about all the martyrs that died? When they died, were they so found doing? Well, the Lord came and got them then, didn't he? I mean, they were basically absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. So when they were martyred, they were so found doing, weren't they? So this is just as a reference to the second coming of Christ. Next verse. But if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men, servants, and the maidens, and to eat and to drink, and shall and to be drunken. So in other words, if the servant all of a sudden becomes slothful, the Lord of that servant will come in the day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware, and will cut him in asunder. That's not really good. Cut him in asunder? That doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. This is talking about a believer that is slothful in, you know, the, the, the thing that they say is the servant says in his heart, the first thing he says in his heart, which is deceitful above all things, is, oh, the Lord's not going to come back. I got it all set. I'll, I'll, I'll begin to beat the men servants and the maid servants to eat and drink and to be drunken. The Lord will come back in that day when he's not looking for him and hour he's unaware and cut him in asunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Listen, I don't know how that all, how this whole thing works out. I don't want to find out. 
his portion with the unbelievers? Next verse, in that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself. So this is the servant which knew the Lord's will, but didn't prepare himself. Neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Oh, judgment seat of Christ is going to be a great thing. Everything's going to be wonderful. You know, it's the judgment seat of Christ, not the love seat of Christ. No pun intended there. Love seat, get it? It's not the love seat, it's the judgment seat. Shall be beaten with many stripes. Remember, it says some will be saved, it shall us by fire. All the works are going to be burned out. It's like they're going to, no reward. Or the rewards are going to be burned up. Luke, the next verse, But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. This would be a, a time of Hosea 4.6. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This is, it says, but he, but he that knew not and did commit such things worthy of stripes, meaning of punishment, shall be beaten with fewer, few stripes or fewer stripes than the one that knew better. But they're still both punished. For whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. That's where that verse comes from. For whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. The more you're given, the more is required of you. That's why, that's why the Bible says in Ecclesiastics of much knowledge and in, in, in these types of things cometh many times much grief. This is, you know, all the, the report this stuff and the stuff that I get into, it's kind of grievous, you know, to, to constantly be getting into this all the time. But, hey, if it's the truth, I just can't withhold it. So, for whom much is given, of him shall much be required, and to whom... Men have committed much. Of him they will ask the more. Matthew 25.34 Then shall the king say on, on, on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This is the ones that are on his right hand. This is the spiritual tenets of those on his right hand that are blessed. Okay, I want to get, a big, get into a big theological debate here. Okay, about, well, when exactly? I'm telling you, this is a scriptural tenet that we're looking at here. This is the one on his right hand, which will inherit the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world. That implies God knows who's going to do this. It, it does. It implies that they were, you know... The Bible says, before I formed thee in the womb, I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. I believe Isaiah. Before I formed thee in the womb. God knows the beginning from the end. Doesn't mean that, that we just do like some and say, well, bless God, you know, God knows everything, I'm just going to do nothing. Yeah. No, we need, to, we need to fight. We need to do as the Lord's called us to do. But in this thing... Jesus says to them, For when I was hungered, ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? Now this is the earmarks of a Christian, if you think about it. Well, I mean, it's not the only thing, but it is obviously pretty important to God. Pretty important Jesus Christ, meaning this was the main thing in this particular portion of Scripture that garnered them entrance. Now granted, this isn't like now we're saved by works. Okay? This is works 
following faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we're... The order has to be there. Whence are we? And hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we sick or in prison and came unto thee? Matthew 24, 40 says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Think about that. Notice it also says my brethren. What would that imply? Inasmuch, you know, that, that verse that I said before, about the household of faith. You know, do good to those, especially they be of the household of faith. Galatians 6.10 As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. That has an application to this verse, doesn't it? Because the Lord says... The king said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done unto the, one of the least of these, my brethren, one of the least. Because the Bible says it talks about that many that are first will be last, and many that are last will be first. And that the, those are greatest among you, let him be your servant. Jesus said, Let those that are greatest among you, who? The Christians. Let him be your servant. Are you aspiring to be a servant? The Bible says that's the greatest ones, the servants. Well, yeah, but well, I don't remember really Jesus. Uh, you know, Jesus came to, came to seek and save the lost and be a servant. He did. He washed the disciples' feet. He came to serve. He was our example in that regard as a servant. The Son of God that created everything. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's what the Bible says, John 1. Let those that are grace among you be their servant. Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it, un done it unto me. You know, even if the least of these your brethren, even if you get maybe taken advantage of, even if you don't really feel like you get the recognition, or even if you feel like you're being ignored, God's not ignoring you. Actually, it's almost a better way to do it. Because if you're getting ignored and it's not getting acknowledged, if you're seeking to do it so you can get acknowledged, verily you have your reward. It's like where the Bible talks about giving alms before men. Let not your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Because if you don't do it that way, in regard to, let's say, that's your purpose in your heart. You're doing it to be seen among men. Verily, you have to reward. It's the same thing with good works. Now, I understand, a lot of times you're not going to be able to totally conceal your identity, okay? God knows your heart. I'm just saying, it shouldn't be your motivation to be seen among all men. But that's really cool. If you've done one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. It's like you're doing it to Jesus Christ. Now, if we really kept this verse in our mind all the time, it would change the way we behave. It really would. Matthew 25, 41 then says, Then shall he say unto them that are on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. 
I was a stranger, and ye took me not in, naked, and ye clothed me not, sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. What does this imply? The apathetic and self-centered. So, anyway, that's basically how the Lord looks at things in regard to this. We're looking into the mind of Christ today. We're looking into His Word to see how He thinks. Because remember, His ways are not our ways. His ways are above our ways. Okay? That's why the Bible talks about, Put ye therefore on the mind of Christ. Okay, because when, when, I believe that's something you can pray. And when you have that, you can actually look at things, I believe that really putting on the mind of Christ, though, is looking at what the Bible says. Because that's his mind, that's his word. Okay? And asking for interpretation if you don't understand it. So, uh, anyway, this will, this will complete that particular study. Uh, next we're going to talk about New Testament uh, giving versus the Levitical, Old Testament Levitical tithing. And look at the difference between the two. And um, I'm going to go ahead and go to part three. May the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.